What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> ECW World Heavyweight Champion. The ECW. When you want to load down the professional wrestling, come right here to the two-man power trip of wrestling. You'll get all the load down. <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the, on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. It just You said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. but Chad and John, the two-man power trip. That's, uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hear me. Fear me. What's going on, guys? This is a 7-foot, 330-pound DNA of TNA. That's right. My DNA is outer space. And you're listening to the two-man power trip of professional wrestling. You know, I, I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know 10 times more than I do. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Mr. Heyman, Mr. Punk, I made a mistake. It was my first main event match. I was nervous. I should have checked the ropes before completing my count. I feel terrible. And I All right, very good. I applaud you for admitting your mistakes. You're right. Every referee knows to check the ropes. It's been in the rule book since day one. You messed up. Now resign. I do apologize, but I don't feel that that's a problem. I don't care what you feel unless what you feel is ashamed because you should be ashamed of yourself. You embarrassed yourself, and more importantly, you embarrassed the WWE champion on my show. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by the return of Spartacon. On Saturday, August 13th, and Sunday, August 14th, head on over to the Blue Crab Stadium in Waldorf, Maryland, for the only dedicated Spartacus fan convention in the United States, complete with live-action gladiator battles inside the arena, exclusive celebrity meet-and-greets with the stars of Spartacus, and so many more unique events. Like I said, get on over to that website, redserpents.com, for more information on this one-of-a-kind and absolutely amazing event and please stay tuned a little bit later on in the show to find out more on how you can be a part of the return of Spartacon and with that being said my name is Chad and as always I'm joined by my tag team partner primetime John Paz and John today on the show we're joined by a very very cool individual a guy who's gone by couple different names while he was with WWE, whether it was in developmental or on the main roster, but the main one you're going to know him as is former Raw General Manager Brad Maddox, or as CM Punk liked to call him, Brad Maddox, but 
whatever. CM Punk can do whatever he wants. He's the man. But Brad Maddox joined the program. And when you think of Brad Maddox, you think about the comedic side of a guy who could take a couple pretty harsh bumps, uh, was very in line with a lot of WWE storylines going on a few years back, and then kind of abruptly just dropped off the face of the earth, at least in the WWE universe, and you never heard from him again. But we get the story as to why Brad Maddox did get released by the WWE, and it's kind of a head-scratcher, but, you know, kind of falls in line with some of the things that you may or may not be able to get away with in 2015 or 14 or whenever it was. I think it was 2015 when he got released. But Brad Maddox as a whole, a great character, a guy who could do so many different things. Uh, A lot of people forget that he actually was a wrestler and quite a talented one at that, and he notes that in talking about John Laurinaitis and why he was actually signed to the WWE, but he himself as an on-air character was so versatile, was able to do a lot of different things, had some great chemistry with a lot of different key cogs in the WWE television programming universe, like Vicky Guerrero or Vince McMahon or CM Punk or a lot of the people who had main mainline screen time during his run as the Raw general manager. Even AJ Lee at that point was a pretty big cog in the wheel, and when they debuted Brad Maddox as a referee, you got a lot of interactions with many different people, and he always hit it out of the park, and I think that's why he had some pretty good staying power while he was on television. But, John, when you think about Brad Maddox, you think about a talented performer with a really good comedic side and a guy who could take a hell of a lot of bumps and could get in the ring, although we might not have been able to see it just out of the gate, But, John, what are some of the highlights to you with this interview and maybe some of the bullet points of what we can look forward to in the next coming minutes? Yes, Chad, back here again at the two-man power trip of wrestling. And we got a real fun one for you today. A great episode with the former Royal General Manager himself, Brad Maddox, or as he may call himself now, Mad Braddox or whatever his name is, we, we get into it in the interview, he's had so many names, whether in WWE or, you know, outside of WWE, and it's kind of funny the way some of those names come about, and we do have some great, great stories of that. But, you know, the best part of this interview, when we dig deep and we go into things, is really not his time in the WWE so much, but I really enjoy talking about his time in FCW and his time in OVW, because you really... Don't hear too much about developmental, so I always love to get it out of these guys. What was developmental like? What was it like coming through with all the developmental? And he's basically been in almost every developmental territory they've had. I mean, OVW was a big one for them. FCW became a big one for them. He was very, very um, sparingly used in NXT, and he was kind of in the WB by the time NXT came around. But he did spend some time in the Performance Center. And he spent some time in NXT, so it was great to get his view on every single developmental territory he went through. And of course, you know, when we talk about his time in the WWE, we of course have to talk about his time as the general manager, his time with Vicky Guerrero, his time as the assistant general manager. I mean, we get some great, great stories all about that. We get his opinion and a, quite an honest and raw opinion of Vince McMahon and obviously anybody that works for WWE you gotta get their opinion on Vince Uh, we talk about CM Punk we go in depth about Ryback we talk about Paul Heyman we talk about the Shield so many great stuff and of course we went into it with the releases and obviously at this point in time there was the you know boatload of releases that were to come and then obviously you know Cody Rhodes would basically uh, have his contract run out Ryback looks like he's having his contract run out so we go through all that and go through the gamut of that obviously we talk a little bit about Sandow and Adam Rose and those releases but you know just got some great great stuff from Brad in this interview and one of the most interesting stories I thought Chad that was in there was when we talk about Randy Orton, I saw that he there was heat with Randy Orton or heard that there was some heat with Randy Orton, so we thought we'd you know, maybe get into it a little bit. But he said in an other interview that he did with another show that the guy asked him for dirt, so he just kind of came up with an Orton story. So it's kind of a, a funny thing that we find out about some other shows about what they're looking for in their interviews and that. I just thought that was kind of you know a little ridiculous on, on that show's part. I'm not going to mention them, obviously, but I just thought that was a little ridiculous, and I just 
uh, I kind of don't like uh, fishing for stuff like that. But, uh, you, you know, you'll see in the interview, uh, we try to get his uh, opinion on Orton and maybe try to get something out of him as far as what his real feelings were. But um, as we found out in the interview, you know, there was really no... There was no heat there, there was no bad blood, and it was just something that he said for another interview because the guy wanted quote-unquote dirt. And uh, I, I, I do enjoy that we don't really like to do that here too much on this show. So, uh, you know, sit back, relax, you're really going to enjoy this one. This was quite a fun episode. Yeah, definitely a fun episode, and when you reference that Randy Orton instance, it's kind of funny to get his reaction on it. He's got such a sarcastic wit to him that he passes along that the guy was just trying to get dirt and the guy that he is talking about, not only does he try to fish for dirt, but he also tries to fish for telephone numbers and contact information for guests that you hear right on the two-man power trip of wrestling, which, as we thank Brad Maddox for joining us, just want to point out, and John will give it to you in the two-man power trip of wrestling business, check us out over on WrestlingInc.com. Not only do you get some really awesome news coverage you know, you might get some spoilers if you uh, you check at the right times for shows coming up. But you also get some exclusive coverage of the two-man power trip of wrestling now at WrestlingInc.com. Follow them on Twitter. Check them out on Facebook. But whatever you can do, if you want to get additional coverage of us, head on over to WrestlingInc.com. Our man Raj over there does a great job. And we're so happy to be a part of Wrestling Inc. that I just wanted to uh, pass that along again. But John will give you the rest of the info in the two-man power trip of wrestling business. And John, of course, today's episode is powered by the return of Spartacon. Spartacon 2 comes your way on Saturday, August 13th and Sunday, August 14th in Waldorf, Maryland. And of course, it's the biggest, most exciting Rebels convention ever, complete with cosplayers, artists, exhibits, celebrity guests, stuntmen and stunt coordinators, CrossFit trainers, and Legion instructors. You never know what you're going to find at the one and only Spartacus fan convention based in the United States. It's Spartacon 2 again on August 13th and 14th in Waldorf, Maryland, Head on over to RedSerpents.com for more information, a complete list of celebrity guests in attendance, and to find out how you can secure a special Spartacon discounted hotel rate for anybody coming out of town. Again, it's Spartacon 2, August 13th and 14th in Waldorf, Maryland. Much more to come in the coming weeks and maybe a way that you can actually attend Spartacon if you ever so please to. And with that being said... John, take it on over from here. Get it over to the two-man power trip of wrestling business and throw it to the man, Brad Maddox. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Wrestling Pal and at Two Man Power Trip. Please head over to our YouTube page and subscribe to us over there. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out the feed for the latest and greatest episodes from the Two Man Power Trip, including episodes with The Late American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, The Total Package, Lex Luger, Jesse the Body Ventura, the phenomenal AJ Styles, WWE's lead attorney, Jerry McDivitt, Stan the Lariat Hanson, Hall of Famer Coco Beware, the legendary Magnum TA, and so, so, so many more. So please check us out on iTunes. Also, you can check us out on Google Play, the i95 Sports Network, and Player FM. Please also check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. And don't forget, we are now contributors on Wrestling Inc. Yes, please go to wrestlinginc.com and look for the two-man power trip of wrestling. We will be all over that site. And it's one of the best wrestling sites out there, so you're going to enjoy that. And also, please go to prowrestlingtees.com for not only our page, but also please check out Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Paul Orndorff, and coming soon, Tito Santana. So please head over to ProWrestlingTees.com. And now, without any further ado, the former two-time FCW Tag Team Champion. He's a former OVW Television Champion and, of course, a former OVW World Heavyweight Champion. He is the former Raw General Manager. He is Brad Maddox. 
Please enjoy. WWE superstar. He's a former OVW world and television champion. He's a former general manager of Raw. He's the one and only Brad Maddox. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, hey, it's uh, awesome I, to have you on. Definitely one of the... Uh, what's that? Am I allowed to curse on this show? Hey, Can I just say, had this com- say words like poop? Um, All right, poop. Poop crosses the line. Uh, we just had this conversation uh, a couple Dang. shows back where uh, we, we like to get that out of the way first because uh, people say, hey, can I curse after they said, you know, as many curses as they wanted to. But, hey, you let them fly. You say whatever you want. I'll try to contain myself. <laughs> well, like I said, joining us is Brad Maddox, and we're definitely uh, really happy to have you on because uh, – you're definitely one of the more, uh, I would say, uh, revered and one of the most looked at uh, performers of the last couple of years from the perspective of we never really felt we got what we wanted out of the Brad Maddox persona. And with all the WWE releases being topics in the news and, and really the, the buzz term being the WWE release right now, uh, how's your life been post WWE, and have you been following all the craziness that's been going on lately? Uh, I don't know if I'm up to date on the most recent craziness. Maybe uh, my life's going good. I moved out to Los Angeles. I'm taking a bunch of acting classes and going out and auditioning, and that's kind of been my focus the last couple of months now. Awesome, very nice. Yeah, well, the world of WWE definitely. Uh, uh, an easy transition into the acting world, and uh, obviously uh, you were one, like I said, one of the more uh, looked upon as uh, one of the more comedic sides and one of the more lighter things to look forward to on WWE TV. But, yeah, the recent releases being a hot topic, Cody Rhodes' departure, uh, Ryback yeah. kind of walking out, and uh, it's been really interesting to see how the, uh, you know, the wrestling community has taken to WWE releases coming in a big uh, bulk you know, coming all at once, but, you know, it happens uh, a lot where they do that in one shot. But uh, with your release specifically, was that something that you definitely uh, you saw coming in the cards? Because we saw that you were kind of coming back to television a little bit, and then, boom, you were gone. Yeah, no, mine was, uh, mine was specifically for one incident. Uh, I'd actually developed a pretty good relationship with Vince, and we just hadn't, we hadn't found an idea that we both agreed on and that, that we thought would stick, so we were still working through some stuff, but yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't planning on being released that week. Yeah, well, I don't think uh, anybody uh, sees it coming, and of course, you know, the incident was kind of, it was reported on, it was speculated, you know, as to what was going on, but uh, what was the actual uh, story, if you could get into it, as to what led to the release? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it was it was because I called the Indianapolis crowd a prick. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on here. Um, but Vince, I, I, I don't know. I guess that's a, a really bad word to him. I didn't think anything of it. I, I don't know. I, I, it's probably worse if you're from, like, New York in the 50s. I don't know. Uh, I didn't think anything of it, but he did. And, and uh, I got a talking to that night, and I got sent home that night. And... Uh, and then they called me the next day and said they decided they'd made their decision. I don't really know why the decision was so harsh, even if everyone agreed that it was a terrible word to say because it was a dark match and no one was watching it and it wasn't any sort of issue on any sort of uh, social media platform. But I don't know, uh, but it is what it is. Coming from uh, you know people who have packaged together a team called the Dicks, I would think that the Pricks. Uh, may not, uh, you know, that might not be as bad as you think, but um, was it Vince who you spoke with specifically afterwards uh, with the incident, or was that something that uh, maybe somebody like Triple H or a talent relations person is going to come to you and say, like, hey, that's, uh, that's a no-no, and we gotta, uh, we got to do something about it? Uh, no, I didn't talk to Vince. He wouldn't see me. Um, talent relations came to me and 
reported what was coming out of his mouth. And uh, I, I, I tried to talk to him that night. He didn't want to see me, though, so I, I didn't really get a chance to defend myself. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty uh, that's pretty unfortunate. And like I said, you know, multiple times already that you know you were a real highlight of Monday Night Raw. Now they're going back through a GM kind of pool of uh, bringing back some old GMs and bringing back people who were definitely uh, you know kind of identified with Monday Night Raw. And when you were placed into that Raw GM role, was that a role that you thought was something that you could thrive in? being that you'd get that opportunity to be in multiple segments and provide something maybe a little bit different than what WWE had on TV at the time? Uh, you know what? I, did, I didn't really appreciate the role when I was in it. No, I really didn't. Um, look, I mean, looking back on it, I, I took for granted being on the same uh, stage as, as Vince and, and Hunter and Stephanie and Paul Heyman and, you know, the biggest names in the industry. I, I definitely, I don't, I don't think I appreciate it or, or, took advantage of it I was always looking uh, and I was constantly fighting for getting back in the ring which um, Vince didn't really know my background very well and I didn't communicate with him very well at the start of my career either so he really didn't know and and I was always kind of pushing and wanting to wrestle and I wanted to do uh, a deeper character though I have fun playing like the Michael Scott role from the office I don't know how much the writers really appreciated what I did. I kind of felt unappreciated in the role that I did play. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't take advantage of, of what I had at the time. Yeah. Do you think, uh, I guess the million dollar question would be, you think uh, we could see a, a Brad Maddox cameo in the hunt for a new raw GM? Oh God, I hope not. And, you know, it's funny, you know, they have all this, this raw GM and they have all these guys coming back and everything, but were you shocked when you heard about the releases of a guy that you've known for a long time and a guy like Sandow? Um, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's another guy that it, it's like they didn't listen to the crowd reactions that he was consistently getting. That was a weird one. Um, I reached out to him a little bit just to wish him well. I, I didn't really know. I, I still don't know. The, the, I, I thought maybe he just walked away. I wasn't sure because it, it's hard for me to believe that they'd let a guy go like that that can that can go out into any arena, into any crowd, and work the crowd the way that he can. And I mean, the guy got one of the bigger pops at WrestleMania in, in his minute role. So that one was really weird. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know why they make some of the decisions that they make. Did you think a decision like Cody Rhodes kind of wanting out? Do you think that was kind of out of left field as well? Um, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, everyone's everyone's fighting for the top spot in the company, or, or they're trying to get on top of the mountain, and there's only so much space up there. So for a lot of guys who, who feel that they're being underappreciated or underused, get frustrated, and there's not a whole lot of outlets to uh, vent that that energy and so you, you get those examples sometimes and and i had heard that he that he wanted to do different things that he wasn't allowed to to do so i, I don't know it happens every now and then doesn't it oh yeah no there's no doubt about that it seems like it's happening you know a little bit more and more like uh, chad alluded to earlier ryback obviously you know he's he's got a bit of a problem as well but what was your kind of history with Ryback? I know you guys worked a little bit on TV. You kind of did that that whole role. Did you sense some, uh, you know, when you were there, did you sense that, sense that he was kind of not happy in his role? Um, well, I don't, I don't think he was happy in his role, but I didn't sense that. He's uh, he's always a, a very high energy, very positive guy, and so he he doesn't really, at least he doesn't show that when things bother him and he would joke every now and then with me that I ruined his career, but it, it was always joking. <laughs> and, um, he, I don't know, he was just a, a, another guy that, that worked hard and he gave his best effort. And, and I, I never heard him complain about anything. Now, you know, you, you specifically, obviously, you know, you come from FCW, you're an OVW. I mean, you've been around the block a little bit and you're, a bit of a, you know, as far as the territories, you were known as a bit of a wrestler. Did you kind of 
think, like, this is weird. They're kind of not making me into a wrestler role. They're having me more as a talker. And then, obviously, you know, at one point, you were a referee. Did you feel like you were kind of, like, I know you, you were definitely underused, but did you feel like you should have been somehow just a re- just a wrestler? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of funny. that they When they signed me, I couldn't cut a promo to save my life. I mean, it's arguable that I can't now, but I certainly couldn't <laughs> when they they when they signed me, <laughs> and uh, uh, John Laurinaitis signed me because of my wrestling ability, and um, I kind of developed uh, other skills as time progressed. And it, it was just the circumstances that they brought me up in. They needed a referee for that angle, and I was—I guess I was just the shortest, whitest guy on the roster. <laughs> um, so I think that's why I got the spot because I could look like a normal person. But I don't think there were any plans whatsoever for me. I think they were going to give me the explanation promo um, after that Hell in a Cell match. And they were, I think they were going to give me uh, get destroyed by Ryback. And I think that was probably as far as they thought that out. And and I think only just because I, get, I did a decent job on my first promo and then saw something right then maybe that he decided to keep me up there. And it, it kind of all developed organically um but again that was a situation where i didn't i didn't go to vince immediately and i kind of just talked to my writers and and tried to go through the 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 chain of communication which isn't real effective and i'd always heard you know go go up as high as you can on the ladder to talk to people but i was always i, I never did you know for whatever reason and and so vince really he didn't know for the first several years until my push ended and I was fired up raw and I stopped traveling for nine months. And I finally, I, when they were close by, I, I drove to the show and, and I knocked on Vince's door and I went and I, and I had a straightforward conversation with him. And that's when he put me back on the road and we started working on ideas again. Um, so I, I didn't, I didn't communicate well enough with Vince for sure, but it is funny how it worked out. Now, how does that work? What's it like, you know, you're one-on-one, you're behind the scenes, you're talking to Vince McMahon, you know, about a push or about what, how you should be used. How does that conversation go, and how is Vince, you know, in that one-on-one confrontation? <laughs> uh, Vince is great. I I was always uh, afraid of the myth, just like probably most of the people are, but Vince's door is way more intimidating than he is. And, um, you know, when they when, when I was not traveling for nine months, I figured out that I didn't I figured out what I wanted and then what I didn't want real fast and and I stopped worrying about the things that I'd worried about before and so it wasn't a problem for me to go up and, and talk to him and, and tell him that I wanted I either wanted to start traveling it again or I wanted my release so um and when you talk to Vince like a man he is responsive because he likes he likes men in his company and he likes people to come talk to him and he likes people to knock on his door and he's a creative guy and he likes to talk about ideas with people and he likes to brainstorm. So I found out all of that and that was, um, I, I had a lot of pleasant uh, conversations with Vince. So basically he's a lot easier to talk to once you talk to a man to man, you think? It's, I mean, it's, it's just easy to talk to him in general. It, it, he doesn't like for people to come in and just kiss his ass he doesn't like for people to come in and just waste his time. If you go in, if you go in his room and you ask him for what you want, or you tell him what you want, or you, or you you want to talk business, he's he's all about it. He's a creative mastermind, so he enjoys talking to to people about ideas. You know, it's interesting. You kind of mentioned you know before Vince, there's kind of a chain of command, and you kind of have to go through the right channels, or you got to go through the writers first, or whoever first. How does that chain of command work? Like who who do you go to first, and then kind of how does it go up the ladder from there? Well, I mean, how they set it up is that there are assistant writers, and each assistant writer has like several guys that he communicates to first and foremost, and then they have uh, second tier writers. I don't know if there's three tiers or not. There's like assistant writers, and then other writers, and then there are like the main three or four writers. Um, and, and and there's Michael Hayes, and then there's Triple H, and then there's Vince. I guess that's sort of how it goes. Um, and again, when I first started, I always I always talked to my writer, and and that's very uh, frustrating because you really don't ever get anywhere, and and it's and it's a it's a frustrating process, and it's one that I gave up when I came back, and I started, 
you know, only talking to people that I thought would actually get me somewhere. And, and I stopped worrying about whether it would get me heat or or whatever, you know. And, and I found it pretty effective, even though I didn't actually make my way back to TV. I got I got close several times, so. I always wondered what it's like, you know, in the chain of command back there, because it seems like there's so many writers involved now. Do you think it's almost too many writers being involved and not enough, you know, kind of almost like uh, too many Indians, not enough chiefs? Um, well, there's definitely a chief. <laughs> no hmm. doubt about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure. um, there are a lot of writers. I don't know. I, I don't have a better solution. I think it's I think it's nice that they've they've got a person that's not overwhelmed to work with each of the guys if they want to be proactive and and uh and get creative. I, I just I don't I don't think the the communication is perfect, but again, you've got a lot of guys that are all trying to get to the same spot. So, there's going to be frustrations and not everyone's going to be happy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've seen some some unhappy guys. I mean, obviously, there's a, there's a few guys that are, you know, they're being pushed to be, you know, the John Cena's of the world and everything else. So, you know, they're going to get the push, and the other guys are kind of wanting his spot or, or you know, the Roman Reigns spot. Do you think, you know, in the, the hierarchy of, of the guys that are getting pushed, do you think the right guys are in the right spot? Um, I, I'm i not up to date, but I, I do think for the most part, I mean, they're going to, they're going to go with the guys that they think are going to make money for their company, and that makes sense to me. Uh, I think guys like John Cena are clear-cut and clearly the most talented. You know, he's the most talented guy on the roster, and that's not really up for debate, in my opinion. Uh, he's just a total package, and he's such a hard worker. Um, I don't. I don't know. I, I think that they're pretty much. They do a good job of, of putting up there who needs to be up there. As far as John Cena, you know, everyone, you know, he's basically, the, you know, kind of the new, not really new per se, but he's the locker room leader, you would say. He's like kind of the, the head honcho. How is he backstage, and what was your dealings with him? Oh, he's great. I, I think he's a he's a perfect guy to, to be at the top. He's he's nice to everyone, and he'll take the time to talk to everyone, and he always gives you his two cents, and you know, it's like having Michael Jordan on your team. You can't outwork John Cena. So I, I couldn't. I, I I don't think there could be anyone better to lead the locker room than him. And he's always ready and willing and able to speak up on behalf of the boys or on behalf of the office. You know, he 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 plays it fair both ways every every time that I've seen. Um, so I I think he does a great job in his spot. I think it's well earned. And then, you know, there's always those second-tier guys, or, you know, the, the main eventers, but not quite in that Cena role, a guy like Randy Orton and a couple other ones. But what's, uh, what is your, you know, because I've read there's some heat between you and Orton or maybe an issue with Orton. What is the deal with Randy Orton? He's, he's not the Cena role, if you will, backstage? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think there's any heat with me and Randy Orton. I just I gave out a story last time because – I, I, a guy while last interview wanted some dirt. No, Randy's cool. Um, he, he's not. He's not. He's just. He's not John Cena. He's. Um, but he he will always talk to you if you want. I've had some good conversations with Randy, and he's never turned me down if I wanted to ask him an opinion on anything or ask him questions about his work. Um, so he, he's another guy that you can go to too. There, yeah, there's. I mean, there's not really anything wrong with his leadership either. And what do you mean by, you know, dirt on Randy Orton? What is, what kind of dirt can you get on a guy like that? Well, I don't, I'm like, not uh, to say give dirt, but I'm saying there's something bad or. No, no, he, he just, a guy was looking for a story. I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give him a, a vague example because, you know, Randy's a guy who's not going to get any heat from it anyways. And, um, but you know, it's, it's not an actual dirt story. Oh, okay. Uh, so, Randy Orton backstage, he kind of, uh, not rules the roots, but he's kind of one of the main guys, one of the main players, one of the locker room leaders. Sure, yeah. To me, he always came off as a little bit, I don't even know how to say it, surly, I guess, maybe. He just seems like, you know, he, he's just, Cena comes off as a very friendly guy. Orton sometimes can come off as a, you know, maybe not so friendly guy. Um, 
He's he's just not afraid to speak his mind. I don't think he's unfriendly. I've never thought he's unfriendly. Uh, he, if he doesn't like something, he'll tell you, and that's about it. But I, I would I no, I wouldn't phrase him as unfriendly. Now, what about a guy like Triple H? I know you said you had obviously interactions with him and obviously uh, Stephanie, but how do you feel about Triple H in his role? Because he's kind of cementing himself as the you know the next uh, the next chief, if you will. Yeah. So I'm sorry. What's the question? What do you think about Triple H in that role? You know, kind of taking over for Vince. Oh well, I mean, you, you got to have a new Vince, I, I, I guess. And I, I think he's just as, I think he works just as hard as Vince, and I think he's had some good ideas and he's done some cool stuff, and NXT is a pretty good example of that. So I, I, I mean, I don't know. I think he's doing a good job. And, you know, Triple H, obviously, he's been there for a while. And you got a guy like Undertaker who's hardly there, but obviously, you know, he was the longtime locker room leader. He's there forever. And uh, I think everyone can remember a funny little skit you did on Jimmy Fallon. You know, you're in the turkey suit, and the Undertaker basically tombstones you. How did that whole thing come about? Um, yeah, that was one of my few uh, extended interactions with, with Undertaker. And it was a lot of fun. That was, I think they just threw me in that role because I was one of the few guys not on the overseas tour. And other than that, I don't know. I don't know why. They just called me and, and told me that I was doing it. Um, because they, I guess, I don't know, they needed a, a pretty much a nobody to, to fill the suit, I guess. It was kind of funny because all of a sudden, you know, there's like a viral video of, uh, first of all, Undertaker on Jimmy Fallon, which is a little shocking as it is. And then, you know, a guy in a turkey suit who turned out to be you getting tombstone. Was that was that fun to do? Was that like a lot of, because uh, obviously, you know, Jimmy Fallon is one of the biggest guys in Hollywood and everything else. Is that a lot of fun to do? That was a ton of fun. And uh, I met Jimmy Fallon for the first time while in the turkey costume and, <laughs> he came he came up smiling, he was very nice and he told me that I had made it to business. Uh, and uh you know, jokingly. And um I actually I I always I had assumed the whole time that the, the chicken head was gonna be like face covering. So when they showed me the costume I was a little panicked at first, but then I was like, Oh, screw it. <laughs> very funny moment. It's kinda cool to definitely go back and, and you know, say, first of all, you run Jimmy Fallon and kind of have that interaction with The Undertaker. But has any of that helped you with what you're doing now as far as, far as you know, moving to L.A., getting into acting? Has that role in Jimmy Fallon kind of been like a little resume filler? Uh, it's a little resume filler, but I'm not sure how helpful it is. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of actual acting other than uh, WWE to put on my resume anyway. So it's it's been more about what I do when I get an audition. Absolutely. And it's great to have, you know, the WB on the resume, I'm sure it doesn't hurt at all. But, yeah. you know, as far as your actual like wrestling career and stuff, I know we were talking about how they, they brought you in as a referee and they, you know, you're, you're on raw. Eventually, you know, they do the whole shield thing where obviously, you know, you're doing that YouTube kind of like the guy filming a thing and, and yeah. shield and everything else. Did you kind of think that that was going to... I know we were kind of talking a little bit about it. Did you kind of think that that should have led to something bigger than just, you know, you getting your ass kicked, basically? By... When who? When Ryback took you out after that? Oh, yeah. Well, I definitely, yeah. I thought I thought that I should have, by some stupid way, have won the match, for sure. But they didn't want... They didn't want Ryback to lose the match at all, but he was kind of forced to lose the match because... Cena had gotten injured, so they had already weakened right back, and they wanted him to come back strong, man. And, but I, I thought they would have. I don't think it did anything for anyone's career for him to just destroy me. And, and a lot of people backstage thought, well, he's going to win, right? I mean, otherwise, what's the point? But um, they just had a they had a plan, and they were just going to go with it. So I'm not. I don't. I don't harp on that because I've I've had plenty to say on that before. Yeah, definitely weird because obviously, you know, if, if you lose, you kind of have nowhere to go from there. And it's just a, a strange kind of predicament. But obviously, Punk had to end Ryback on Peter Street because Punk wasn't losing the title until Rocky ended up coming back. But, you know, it's a different story. 
for a different day. Yeah. But, you know, eventually you, you work your way back onto TV, and they kind of give you a little bit of a pairing with Vicky Guerrero. Did you like that pairing? Did you like, you know, kind of teaming up with Vicky? Yeah, I'm not I'm not exactly sure how all that really came about. Um, but I did have a lot of fun with her and she's uh one of the nicest ladies I've ever met in my life and totally different from her character which um makes me appreciate how good she was. She was the biggest heel on the roster when I first started working with her and I thought, "Well, this is great cuz I'm going to get a I'm going to get a little push off of her." And I feel like I kind of dragged her down instead. I don't know what happened, but they stopped using her too. Hmm. But I did. I did have a lot of fun with it. And you know, you were talking a little bit before. You know, speaking of like great heels or, or and kind of in that general manager role, and you mentioned Johnny Ace kind of signed it and everything else. We've talked to a lot of guys, and everyone has a you know their own Johnny Ace story. Whether it's somebody that worked with him in all Japan, you know, this guy or that guy. What was your impressions of Johnny Ace when he brings you up, you know, he signs you, and he basically, you know, brings you into the WWE family? Um, I was I was very intimidated by him when I first started, very intimidated, and he didn't make it any easier on anyone who was intimidated either, I'll say that. Uh, I, I just, I have some terrible memories of anxiety being an extra on Raw and SmackDown, uh, three or four times and trying to talk to Ace and uh, not going very well and just pure anxiety. But then when I, I guess I'd been signed for a little while when he when he changed positions with the company. And by the time I got up on the road and, and he was a producer, I thought he was the coolest guy. I thought he was the coolest producer on the road. And uh, I, I, I really like that guy. You always get differing opinions, but everyone always has, you know, their own strong opinion of Johnny's, whether it be good or bad, for sure. Well, well I, I don't know. I, yeah, he's like two people to me. Because when <laughs> I first started and I was trying to give up, it's like a guy that I could – he was like a different guy. I, I don't know if he was actually different. Or not. I know I'm sure he was under a lot more pressure, and he probably was just having a, a ton of fun once he took the producer role. But it really was like two entirely different experiences for me, which is what made it so – Weird and saying cool. When he actually signed you, you know, he brings you into WWE. What was like? What was this? What were you doing at that point when he signed you? Was it OVW or like where were you at that exact time? Yeah, I was at OVW for about three years. I actually moved to Kentucky to OVW to start training because WWE was there, and I hadn't been there for maybe two months before they pulled out and went to Florida. So. Uh, it, it ended up being a good thing because they had a TV, a local TV show that they ran, and so they needed guys to fill spots because all the contracted guys hit the road. So they needed a whole lot of spots filled, and half of the guys in the building were gone. So I got a lot of opportunities really fast, and I still had great training. Like uh, Joey Mercury, who's, the, in my opinion, the, one of the top trainers on the road now, and he's the youngest guy on the road too, and he's just a brilliant mind. He was still around because he was, uh, I, I think he'd been recently released at that time. So he was training guys uh, at OVW. So I had some great training right off the bat from him and uh, Rob Conway and Nick Dinsmore, uh, Eugene. So I had all the, the WWE style and grade of training, but I got a lot more work in. Because, I mean, they needed they, – they still ran house shows Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And if you were there, if you could make the shows, you, then you'd work. So I got a lot of work in pretty early on. I always felt like OVW, you know, after WWE left, they kind of was still underrated because, you know, like you guys, you mentioned, Mercury, Dinsmore, and Conway, all underrated workers, all hell of a trainers. And if you look at their actual track record of wrestling, they're all – all put on great matches at any point. But what was it like working under a guy like Rip Rogers, who has such a great reputation as well in the wrestling business? Rip is Rip is awesome, and he is. Yeah, I mean, he needs his own TV show. I'm not sure <laughs> if he's still sane at all. Uh, <laughs> I see his tweets every now and then. I don't get on Twitter very much anymore. But <laughs> he's uh, he's very unique, and he's awesome. I think he was just. Uh, I think he was a bit much for WWE, and he was also unwilling to compromise um, psychology. He is a psychologist, and he really 
he he made it easy to understand, and he always you had to make sense in your matches and what you were doing in the ring. And some of that's lost in today's wrestling. And he was never willing to compromise that. And and I don't I don't know why exactly they unemployed him as a trainer. Uh, I mean, it could be the insanity. Um, <laughs> but he yeah he was great, and that was great training. It was tough, you know you you had to be ready to get cussed out for any little any, anything that you would have not even thought about that might have seemed small and he would have he, he would have made it out to be the biggest deal in the world <laughs> and he cuss you out and then he'd say thank you love and then you'd move on <laughs> yeah Rick, Rick was awesome world famous hustler yes he, uh, he's uh, he's pretty wacky and definitely if you ever read his uh, Facebook or his Twitter he's definitely yeah you know, he's he's definitely out there but you know you talked about psychology and kind of what's missing you think that you know, not just the old school guys, but guys like you, do you think psychology is kind of going by the wayside little by little in today's wrestling? Yeah, it, yeah, it definitely is. Um, it's, I don't know, the whole thing is tough. You don't really, I don't, I don't, not a lot of guys really call matches on the fly anymore the way that they used to, or I mean, just when I was coming up in developmental. And, and it kind of started at the developmental level because when I first got to FCW, we were having tons of fun, and I would never plan my matches, and I would do the dumbest crap, and and it was all just having fun, and you you know that's how you find stuff out, and you figure out what works and what doesn't by having fun, and you you're loose, and you just have fun, you know, and you mess up, and you're not afraid to mess up, and you're not af- afraid to play around, and so then when they uh, let Dr. Tom Pritchard go, things kind of started changing, and um developmental became a little more micromanaged and you couldn't really have as much fun you you felt a little more uptight if you did like one thing you come back you get questioned on well why'd you do a hip toss there instead of an arm drag and it's kind of to me it was a tough environment to be to to feel free and creative in um and and that's kind of how it goes on the road as well. You don't, re- you have to, you have to plan everything and, um, which I get, you know, for TV, you have to do that, I guess, because you got time constraints. But I, I do, I do think that some of that, the, the psychology is getting lost a little bit and guys are doing more and more and more and higher flipping and heavy, heavier handed moves to make up for a lack of psychology. And it's great to kind of think about it in, in, in the way you just said it, because they're doing more and it's meaning less. And a guy like Rip Rogers, you know, if anybody out there follows him on uh, on Twitter, he constantly is saying stuff like that. So it's, you know, you get a little wrestling knowledge when you follow a guy like that as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, OVW, you were pretty big. I mean, you're a former world champion, you were a former TV champion, and we talked about Sandow before. Is that the first time you met Sandow and wrestled him? Was that OVW? Yeah, the first, uh yeah. He, I've I've had a match with him when I was part of Theta Lambda Psi, which is our made up fraternity, and we were all <laughs> douchebag frat members. Um and Sandow came in and he was an honorary frat member, so I had a really fun match with him. And uh, yeah, that's the first time I met him and then and then and I got signed and I think he got re signed uh like uh, a month or two after me, so then we came uh, back up in developmental at, at FCW, and he got on the road a lot quicker than I did. You know, it's interesting that I always wondered about FCW and then WWE and, you know, the relationship there is, where do they get the names from? Is it just like a name generator or what? Because it seems like they just throw <laughs> two names together, and it's like, you know, Brad Maddox, uh, Briley Pierce, Rick Victor. It's just like they just throw guys together. Uh yeah well I mean the guys you, you give them a list of names and then usually they they'll pick from that that's usually how it goes or if they don't like anything there I, I guess they'll give you something or a lot of times the names will get changed once you come up I, I don't know I, I think guys are confused on on what they can have as a name I don't I don't know I mine was weird I just had a, a list of names. I liked Maddox. They threw me in a, they threw me in a match my first week there, and I didn't even have a name yet. And, but I like Maddox because Greg Maddox, and then the the ring announcer at the time, 
came up and said, well, you look like a Brad. <laughs> I said, all right. And that was, that was pretty much it. I, I always curious because, you know, uh, eventually you would go on to have a couple uh, funny, funnier names, uh, obviously, eventually a little bit down further. But I always wondered where they come up with some of the names from because, it, I, I don't know, I just don't get it. Like, why is Bray, well, why is Bray Wyatt Bray Wyatt? But he was Husky Harris. Like, I just didn't get why they put the two names together. He's, you know, he's a rotunda. Why can't he just be, you know... Uh, I think that there was a little. I'd heard that there was a little stage there where Vince didn't want guys getting a push off of their namesake. That's why you had Michael McGillicuddy. And I heard that Vince came up with Michael McGillicuddy. Hmm. Um, I, and he named Husky Harris. I uh, I was told. But yeah, I don't I don't know why they didn't just uh, let guys use their actual names. Yeah, it's weird, but. Uh... Now, obviously, you know Husky Harris. Thank God, got rid of that name, and he's Bray Wyatt. But you know, you you knew him down in FCW. Obviously, you worked with him in FCW. You knew him obviously in WWE as well. But what was it like working with Husky Harris way back when in FCW? Yeah, um, he's great. Him and his brother are two of the nicest guys. Not just on the roster, two of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Um, and he worked real hard. He came up with a lot of funny gimmicks. I mean, we used to have Dusty Rose promo class every week, and he came up with some pretty funny stuff, and they were always out there and, and very creative, and, and then I remember the first week he did uh, the Bray Wyatt promo, and I had actually done like a Preacher promo the week before or the next week or something like that, but uh, I wasn't going to win that one. <laughs> preacher like, you know, the comic book now TV show, or Preacher as in, you know, really religious guy? Ideal, yeah, like a re- really religious, like um, the guy from There Will Be Blood, the the little skinny kid, does hmm. this wacky uh, scene, and that's what I kind of took from that. Now, what is the Dusty Rhodes promo class like? Because that's got to be something out of this world. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was... Everyone always found that more intimidating than, or like especially the guys who'd been on the road would always say that's more intimidating than, than kind of promo in front of a live audience because you're just sitting there. You, all, all the, the contracted people, gather around one side of the ring, and then one at a time you just got to go up, and uh, get in the ring and and cut a promo or tell a story, and it's pretty intimidating. And and Dusty would give some. Some advice that sometimes was brilliant, and sometimes you had no idea what he just told you, and sometimes <laughs> it felt like he had no idea what he was talking about, but he was just rambling. Uh, but it was always fun. Do you ever have any one-on-one moments with Dusty? And kind of what was that like? Because that's got to be something special, something you definitely got to remember, right? Yeah, sure. I had a lot of I had a lot of uh, one-on-one time with him. Um, he had, he had actually put me in charge of the promo class right before I got called up, and uh, he, he really he really liked me. He took to me because I, pretty shortly after I got there, I gotten tired of cutting wrestling promos, so I started doing scenes from movies or creating characters, um, and he uh, he always liked that because he's a big movie buff and he always saw himself as a an actor and a producer as well. So uh, we kind of bonded. <laughs> more on that stuff and he and yeah, I remember several times he would he would say like after my promo he's like we gotta get you out of wrestling into and into acting baby we gotta get you to Hollywood and like, <laughs> well that's great that's great Dusty but I'm trying to wrestle right now if you give me a push or something <laughs> <laughs> and what you have to do in charge of the uh, promo class uh not not much uh, I, I made a few decisions. I can't remember now. I think it was mainly just the title. I don't know. Hey, maybe maybe that was his way of giving you that push. Maybe you know. It was, yeah, it was, it was another one of those titles that they could put on uh, the reports to send up. You know, so. And you know, it's interesting. You know, we were talking about namesake and guys shouldn't be using the name, but one guy that you feuded with down there in FCW did use the, the name, and his dad is obviously arguably the greatest you know, in-ring wrestler, and that's Ricky Steamboat, his son, Richie Steamboat. Mm. What, was, what was it like working with Richie? Uh, I I enjoyed that little feud we had. 
uh, I started. I, I got to do some ridiculous stuff, and we had a lot of fun. And and it was nice because his dad was was always around, so I'd I'd get I'd get uh, feedback from him constantly, and that was a, that was a lot of fun. And they're both uh, very nice people. And I'm not sure what Richie had some serious injuries. I think he's doing well now, but he's obviously not wrestling. I don't think. So that was, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, unfortunately, career cut a little short due to injuries. He's not wrestling anymore, but he's one of those guys that you just looked at him and you thought, man, he's got a world of potential. And obviously, you know, his dad is um, was unbelievable back in his heyday. It's kind of a shame to see him, uh, his career got cut short. Yeah, it definitely did. Now, you know, you're in SCW. Everything is kind of uh, kind of going well for the most part. What was your thought as FCW started to change and eventually it's going to become NXT? Oh, I'm sorry, say that again. Well, FCW, you know, it's going to go through some changes as you're there and as you know, before, kind of almost as you're getting called up, and they're they're going to become NXT. What was the you know that change like? No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm I got a meeting coming up here. Say it one oh. more time. Oh, I'm sorry. I said, uh, what was what was it like as you're down there? The change as they change from FCW and they're going to become NXT. Oh, it was it was cool. I mean, we started. Uh, well, we had to drive from Tampa to Orlando every now and then. That was a big change at the time for me. I I never actually wrestled for NXT because they had uh, they were just developing it, and we were having a few shows, and they pulled me from matches because Dusty told me that they were they had some referee idea in mind. So they held me out for like two or three months. And uh, then finally one day Dusty's like, oh, we're going to go ahead and get you started because they're not doing this thing. And then like the next day they called me in the office and told me I was doing that thing. Um, but yeah, when it first started, it, I, you couldn't envision it. I guess no one other than Triple H probably had the vision for it that it turned into um, because there were pretty small crowds when it first started. But it um, it was a neat it, it was like a little mini road experience. It was quite a setup right from the start, and it's it's pretty cool to see how quickly it turned into what it did. Crazy to think about the performance center and what NXT has become after you know OVW all those years and FCW eventually. But as we start to wind it down here, just want to ask you because you know you wrestled for you know for a while now. You've had plenty of good matches. Do you have a favorite match or maybe a couple of favorite matches that stick out to you? Uh, personal matches? My matches? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, um, I had some fun times with Briley Pierce, Dolph's brother. We had a little tag team title run, and we were like the odd couple. I used to pick on him, and he was like the guy trying to figure it out, and I was like the veteran. <laughs> And so we had some uh, we had some fun matches that um, that were more like telling a story based. And he he actually won us the titles, and we had a cool moment where it shocked the hell out of me. Um, that was probably the funnest time that I had because we would do ridiculous promos every week that were more like SNL sketches. Every week we never did anything serious, and it was always ridiculous. And we just started doing that every week. So that was probably the the most fun that I had over a certain stretch in developmental. Now, you know, you've had a lot of different names and I kind of alluded to it before. It was kind of funny, you know, you you were Brad Maddox at one point. You were, uh, I think you were Joshua Kingsley, Lord Ruffles. You had a bunch of different names. You even were a team with Adam Rose, the recently released Adam Rose. You guys were beef mode. Do you have a favorite Mm -hmm. name that you came up with? Because a lot of funny creative names. Uh, it was not Lord Ruffles. <laughs> that one, that one, I was, I was just throwing stuff against the wall. And I, at one time, I was, I was pitching like an insane character that would do, like, become different people. And so that was like part of the Joshua Kingsley thing. And so Road Dog is a joke on me. Told uh, buzzed in to the announcer to call me Lord Ruffles unbeknownst to me as I was coming out and I didn't even hear her announce me as Lord Ruffles and then I heard about it on Twitter last <laughs> night. Um well, let's see. My I think my favorite name was Beefy. 
That was in that was in OVW. <laughs> That's quite a gamut of names to run through, but Brad, before we let you go, uh just looking ahead five years, you know, you said wrestling uh you know, it's definitely something that's been a huge part of your life, but you're looking at uh, getting into acting. But where do you see yourself in five years? Is it still maybe wrestling a little bit, or is it just fi- primarily focusing outside the business? Uh, in five years, I'm hoping to be that guy that Vince offers a lot of money to come in and wrestle one time a year <laughs> that I can say, go screw yourself to. I think that's my plan. Well, I think when they come back again in a few years down the line to do the Raw GM storyline again, because it'll, it'll get recycled at some point, maybe we can yeah. hope to see a, a Brad Maddox cameo. But before we let you go, please share with the listeners the two-man power trip of wrestling just where they can find anything and everything for formerly known as Brad Maddox. Uh, check the dirt sheets every now and then. Uh, and I don't know. I have a Twitter. Brad Maddox is WWE. I promise I'll tweet eventually or uh brad maddox on instagram i'm not i'm not worried about changing the names because they're not asking to <laughs> so I figured, <laughs> I figured screw it hey listen if it's uh if it's going well then don't uh don't tinker with it but really appreciate you coming on and, uh, thanks, thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling what the world is downloading